This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you here. Thank you. Made a good choice being in the house of God. I was going to move here today. If you're a guest, we're glad you're here. If you're watching live stream, glad you're with us. If you need a Bible, get your hand up really, really high. Get it up and our ushers would gladly get the Bible in your hand. Go with me to Matthew 7. Once you get a Bible, this has become our main scripture text. Matthew 7, and you know, I'm just, I'm just going to pause just for a second. I, I've had this rolling around with me, and I, I think God's wanting to do something here. If, if you are in need of a miracle right now, and you, you define what a miracle is in your life. If you are in need of a miracle right now, I, I want you to stand up. Just, just stand up. Don't be embarrassed. Stand up. And there's a bunch of it. That's why I think God wanted to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I believe this is prophetically. If your marriage is in need of a miracle right now, stand up. I, I believe there's some of you in here. Just stand up. It's okay. We're not here to cast stones at you. All right. Now, church was never meant to be a spectator sport. And so you see people all around you, okay? So I want you to stretch your hands out. I don't care if you get out of your seat and you lay hands on them. We are believing God for miracles right here. So go, stretch your hands out. Get with it. Come on. On delay. <laughs> Father God, we come before you that you are, you are the God of miracles right now. And we exalt you as Jehovah Miracle. And every person that stood up for a miracle, regardless of who and what it is, we release your miracle power right now into bodies, into situations, into hearts, into buying and selling. Everything that's viewed as a miracle in here, Lord, right now. We pray that, we release that, and everybody agreed with that, said? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap to the Lord. Jesus' name. Now, your job is to thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing a miracle. You know, I think a lot of miracles is an expectation. And I expect God to do a miracle, and you watch what God will do because he's a miracle-working God. Okay, that's the good news. And the other good news is we're going to jump back into this, this thing called the critical spirit. We pick up here in Matthew 7, and I'm just I'm going to give you a little warning. There's some things in here today that are going to really grip you in a good way. But God's word will speak to us. Matthew 7, verse 1. The Lord Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. Criticize not, condemn not that what? That you be not judged. Verse 2. Why is this such a big deal? For with what judgment you judge. It didn't say your neighbor. It says with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it's going to be measured back to you. So think about this just a second here. If we talk about judging, being critical, and condemning, are you pretty good at that? Guilty. I am. And I believe this is why God's putting this out here. And again, these are Lord Jesus' words. I believe he's elevating us as, as his sons and daughters here. So he goes on to say, verse 3, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not consider the plank in your, other eye, in your own eye? In other words, what you say is, I'm, I'm more aware of, of your mess-ups. I, I see more clearly your mess-ups than I look in the mirror and look at my mess-ups. 
Verse 4. Or how can you say to your brother, let remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. Ooh, I'm going to get on this a little later here this morning. First, and this is Jesus' remedy. First, remove the plank from your own eye. And then, he says, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So the Lord gives us great insight right here with the Bible here. Then There's consequence. I can judge. I can be critical. But with the same measure I do, it's going to come back at me. Now, go with me to Romans chapter 14. We're going to be in two passages in Romans. Romans 14, and then we'll go to Romans 12. Both of these have incredible, incredible depth to them spiritually. The law of liberty is what Romans 14 talks about. Pick up with me in verse number 12. Apostle Paul writing, and he says, So then, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Uh-oh. Each of us shall give an account to God of himself. In other words, I'm not going to go before the podium of God, and I'm going to look at God and say, "God, Father God, did you realize how much glory you messed up? No, no, no. He said, you're going to give account of himself. Just me. I'm just responsible for me. Just like you are. Verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore or any longer. In other words, Paul said, you got to knock this stuff off. Why? But rather resolve this. Not to put a a stumbling block. The word stumbling block means a hindrance or an obstacle. Let us not put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in a brother's way. In other words, don't be the cause to cause a, a brother or sister in Christ to stumble. Now I'm gonna make a statement here, and this is gonna hurt, okay? Are some people in your life not Christians because you are? Wow. How about in your home? Is there family members in your home that aren't Christians because you are? What do I mean by that? Have we become so judgmental and critical that people look at you and think, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't want to be like that. Oof. Verse 19, therefore let us pursue, let let us pursue. Now think about the word pursue, what does pursue mean? It's going to have to be a a aim, I've got to aim at it, it's got to be priority. It's not something that just supernaturally falls out of the sky when he says, let us therefore pursue the things which make for peace. And the things by which one may edify another. So he's telling us we we need to edify. The word edify means to build up. He's saying you're going to have to pursue this to build people up and not tear them down. And we live in a society that's a lot easier to tear people down than it is to build them up. Turn back to chapter 12. Romans 12. Now, 
I'm going to start in verse 9, and the subtitle above verse 9 in my Bible says, Behave like Christians. Be Behave. In other words, that's in your actions, your characteristics, your attitudes. Behave like Christians. And so he says in verse 9, let love be. Now, when we talk about love here, let it be sincere. And, and, and love's, love's not a feeling. Love's not a secondhand emotion. That's a song for some of you. Love is an action. Love is a verb. Love must be, be done. And he said, let love be without hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy is rooted in the hypocrite. The Greek word for hypocrite means an actor. One who wore a mask, a stage player. And was Paul saying there's too many actors and too many people in the church that are wearing masks? Uh-oh. Abhor, hate what is evil, and cling to what is good. Verse 10, B. B. Now, I circle B in my Bible. B. In other words, something you got to do. Not, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Be kindly, affectionate to one another, with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. So he's telling us, be devoted to these things. Now, I'm going to skip around here a little bit in this chapter. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, the only one who could boldly declare this is the Lord Jesus. And he says in, in Matthew 5, 44, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. And, and even persecute you and dog you and all the stuff above. But it's interesting. He said, bless those who curse you. But in our mindset, we think, I'll bless those who bless me. But that's not what he said. He said, bless those who curse you. Not easy. Something that I believe God wants to grace us with. Same chapter, verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. That of harmony, of unity. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Now, you only got two options. I'm either going to associate with the humble, or I'm going to associate with the proud. First Peter 5. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. The only time in the Bible you'll find where God resists someone is when we wear this leave-me-alone cologne called pride. Who you're running with. And it's interesting, he said, but associate with the humble. Now, get ready for this last sentence in verse 16 because it's one of those uh-ohs. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Uh-oh. That's what I told you. You're getting ready to get an uh-oh moment. Now, let me ask you that. Are you wise in your own opinion? Do you always have to be right? Have you overestimated yourself? And I say, don't, don't elbow the person next to you, okay? <laughs> 
See, we become very opinionated. And he's telling us not to do those things. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Can I highlight the word all? All. Verse 18. One of these verses that sometimes you can look at and you'd say, this verse is annoyingly accurate. Verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now let me highlight that again. As much as depends on you. He didn't say anybody else. So here's the thought again. I'm going to stand before God on behalf of my own choices and decisions. But when it comes to this, as much as depends on me. And so a lot of times we'll say this. Well, I would forgive them if they would tell me I'm sorry. I would love them if they would love me. But he didn't say that. He said as much as depends on you now. I think we probably ought to have an election here this morning in this. How many of you could use grace to have verse 18 happen? I, give me a double portion of that, Father God. Overdose that right there on me. As much as depends on me. So we begin to get an idea of some of the things that God's talking about. Now go with me to the book of John, chapter 8. We're going to be in John the rest of this morning. As you're turning to John, chapter 8, let me ask you a question here. Have you ever needed grace in your life? Have you ever needed mercy? Have you ever needed forgiveness? Yeah. Every one of us. So the same way that we welcome grace, mercy, and forgiveness, we need to give it that way. So here we are in John chapter 8. I'm going to kind of go backwards but the Lord says in John 8, he said, you do, now this is John 8, 41. He said, you do the deeds of your father. You do the works of your father. You imitate your father. Now, the, the question that comes off of that, who's your father? Read verse eight, uh, 44, John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil. Uh-oh. You are of your father, the devil. The desires, the practices, the characteristics, the actions of the devil. The attitudes. Judy with an attitude. Please, if your name's Judy, I don't mean that ugly. <laughs> I can hear some of you going home saying that to your wife. Judy with the attitude. It's interesting what he says here. You are of your father, the devil. Now, let me keep reading this. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, but there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So what he's talking about here is you display the nature of your father, which is either the devil or Father God, Abba Father. Now, listen, listen to this real close. 
The name or the word devil in the Greek means a slanderer. It means someone that ridicules, an accuser. So anytime I get over in my life where I am to slander, ridicule, or accuse others, I am taking on the nature of the devil. Now we start in John chapter 8 verse 1. But Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. Church was a big deal to Jesus. Goes on to say, And all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them the word. So Jesus shows up to church, preaches the word to them, which is huge. I want you to get this picture of what's going on here. Jesus is at church. Everybody's gathered around listening to him preach the word. Verse 3. Then the scribes and the Pharisees, the couldn't sees, the wouldn't sees. And let me give you a little insight on the scribes and the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders. They are the definition of hypocrites. You know why? Because they viewed themselves as so holy, as so important, as so special, that, that we are above everybody else. But Romans 12, 16, it actually said, be wise in your own opinion. So these guys called the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they wanted everybody to think, these guys got all their crap together, but they didn't. So here we see the scribes and the Pharisees, they show up and they brought to Jesus a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, so just think about this, church is going on, the doors open, these religious leaders come strolling in and they got this woman caught in adultery. They put her right in the middle. Make you want to go to church, wouldn't it? We're so much holier than everybody else. But we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So they stroll her in. Now look real closely at the beginning of verse 4. They said to him. They said to him. So you know what they're doing? They're going to broadcast this woman's sin. They're actually thinking we're doing Jesus a favor by exposing her sin. And, and they said to him, now watch again what they said. They said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. And these are accusations. And so when you look at this, their goal was not to help this woman their goal was to hurt this woman. And when they say all this, she was caught in the very act. Literally, she was caught with her pants down. But I'm reading this and I'm thinking, how many of these religious men have done the same thing that she's done, but they just never got caught? Wow. Huh. Verse 5, 
Now Moses in the law commanded us that shut should be stoned, but what do you say? Now, that, that was a true statement. They quote scripture to Jesus. We're, we're so spiritual, we're going to quote scripture to the Lord Jesus. And so what happens here is they view the word of God as the means to make them right. The word of God is the proof I'm right and everybody else is wrong. But the only thing that proves us right is the Lord Jesus. Our claim to fame is Jesus and what he did on the cross. The word of God was given to us as a blueprint how to live and how to live the abundant life. But they view the ver ver word of God as like it's us versus them. But that's not what the Bible was meant for. It's not us versus them. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But they want to make it, it's us versus them. And so they said, so what do you think, Lord Jesus? The truth of the matter was, they had already broken that commandment. The command they quoted says that if a man and woman are caught in adultery, they're both to be killed. But I look and I think, where's the man at? If she was caught red-handed, he was there with his britches down too. You're preaching good, Pastor. So I wonder, did the religious folk, did they have a problem with women? Just a thought for you. A free thought. Verse 6. This they said, testing him, that I may have something of which to accuse him. Now think again. The definition of the devil is one who accuses. And so they're going after Jesus. It's a trap to go after Jesus, to prove Jesus in the real deal. We are. And he goes on to say here, but Jesus stooped down and wrote it on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So what's incredible, Jesus doesn't respond. He doesn't say a word to him. And I just wondered if he thought, I know from the source where it's come from, so I'm not even going to waste my words on them. But I wonder if there's something in there for me and you that just because people accuse us, does that mean I have to fire back and defend myself? Guilty. I'm guilty. But Jesus doesn't do that. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, they were persistent. He raised himself up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the stone at her first. Jesus proposed a test of his own. You know what this test was? Another uh-oh moment. Uh-oh. So Jesus says, you who are qualified to cast the first stone at her, go ahead. Go ahead and do it. See, their hypocrisy was exposed. And let me ask you a question off this. When others get caught in sin, are you quick to pass judgment? Paul said in Galatians 6, ones, we're to restore them. Are you a restorer or do you pass judgment real quickly? So I'm watching this on the news the other night, and I'm going to have to be real quick to tell you the story. There was this guy who was the 
kind of a doctor trainer for the U.S. women's gymnastics team a number of years ago. He was convicted of sexually molesting a lot of these Olympic girls, and he was sentenced to prison. He was guilty. Well, last week I read that while he was in prison, this other prisoner stabbed him, I mean a bunch. It's a miracle he's alive. I mean, I, I think they said he stabbed him six times right here in the chest. Now, you know what your pastor's response was? Good, he got what he deserved. That was, your, that was my response. You'd say, that's, that's incredible. Way to go, Pastor. Way to go. But the Lord Jesus said, so you measure him by your standard and you think you're the standard now? How do you know that he hadn't repented? How do you know that he hadn't given his heart to Jesus? How do you know? And I thought, see, that's, that's how we've become. We've become so critical and opinionated. And so this is what's happening. And it's like Jesus is screaming that to me and you. You without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Verse 8. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. He doesn't say nothing else. Verse 9. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience. So what happens is when we hear Jesus' word, the Holy Spirit goes to work within us and he convicts our conscience. You know what that really means? He convinces us that we're wrong in our heart and he doesn't do it to beat us up. He does that to lead us to a place to repent. So he convicts their conscience. Now watch what happens when he does this. And they went out one by one beginning with the oldest, even to the last. So now church has got a little different that day. There's a parade going on from the oldest to the least. And here they go. There they go. One by one. They're leaving that day. And it goes on to say here, and Jesus was left alone and the woman was standing in the midst. You know what that means? Church got out early that day. Real early. Verse 10, when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Remember, the devil, the accuser. And he said, woman, where are those accusers? So the point is, Jesus said, you can accuse but when I begin to live with accusations and start accusing, just remember, you're acting like your father, the devil. So again, who's your daddy? Hmm. Woman, where are those accuser years? Has no one condemned you? Has no one declared you guilty? Has no one sentenced you? Has no one doomed you? And so Jesus asked her that question. And her response was, she said, no one, Lord. Now you got to get this. This is a woman who just got caught with her pants down and she is calling Jesus Lord. And remember in Matthew 9, 12, the Lord Jesus said, I, I, I don't need, the, the, the sick are the ones that need the doctor, the well don't need a physician. 
See, church was for the, the sick. And see, no one condemned you. No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. A staggering statement. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I pass judgment on you. You know what Jesus is saying there? Case dismissed. Neither do I judge you or condemn you. Now just think about this. The only person in that temple that day that could have rightly thrown a stone at her was Jesus. And he said, I'm not here to do that. That's not my goal. And so some people would say, well, is Jesus pro-adultery? No. How do you know that? Listen to his last statement. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, if you can't read between the lines, I'm going to help you. Go and sin no more. You know what the Lord Jesus just said? Sexual sin is sin. Sexual immorality is sin. And some people would say, well, why was Jesus critical of her? Jesus didn't have a speck in his eye. He didn't have a timber in his eye. You know what he knew? He doesn't condone her sin, but he sure didn't ignore it. You know why? The wages of sin is death. So Jesus loved her enough to tell her the truth. And so grace is to, to help me not to sin. Grace is not a license for me to sin. Huge difference. So I'm reading all this. Romans 8, 29 says, we're to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And I need to be conformed to the image of Jesus. What would happen if we begin to ask the Lord to grace us in that area? What would happen instead of having us this us versus them mentality? If we'd ask the Lord to help us to see people through his eyes and through his tears. There's a song on the Christian radio station. And it said, I need a little more like mercy. I need a little more like grace. I need a little more like Jesus and a little less like me. And I thought that's so true. So true for every one of us. See, Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There are therefore now no condemnation. And so when he says there's zero condemnation, that the passing of judge for those who are in Christ Jesus, this may be speaking to you right now. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. The word walk literally means my destination, my dependence, my dedication. And I'm either going to do it by the flesh or I'm going to do it by the Spirit of God. Ooh, Holy Spirit, grace my walk. Let me not be judgmental and critical.
You know, most of us, when we sin and we're sinners, we know we're a sinner. So for the first 18 years of my life, I was a sinner. I lettered in sin. You know what sinners do? They sin. So I was working with the guy whose dad was a pastor. His dad one day invited me to church. I was kind of shocked that he'd invite me to church. I thought only perfect people went to church. So he said, I teach a Sunday school class. He said, why don't you come to my Sunday school class? It's for people about your age. So I went in and he had me sit right there by him because he knew I was very uncomfortable being there. And I enjoyed it so much, I went back the next week. And I went back, I went back about three or four weeks in a row. And after the last Sunday that I was there, he said to me, why don't you stay for our main service? I think you'd enjoy it. I walked into their main sanctuary. And I had adults say to me, what are you doing here? You would be the last person I'd ever expect to be here. The next day, his son asked me, how'd you like church? And I said, I'll never step foot, step foot in your church again. His dad came and called me and said, why, why did you say that? I said, I, I don't need people like that. I was treated better by people in the world than I was by Christians. Why do you tell that? Because maybe you've been hurt at a church. Maybe you've been hurt by a pastor. Maybe you've been hurt at this church. Maybe you've been hurt by this pastor. And I want you to know I'm not perfect. If I'm not an example to you by the way I repent, I'll be an example to you the way I live or vice versa. I'm not above repenting. But I want you to know Jesus loves you. Why am I highlighting that here? I want you to stand up and I want to introduce the altar call here this morning because I believe God's wanting to do something today. See, when you read the passage in John 8, there's three groups of people. You fit into one of those three. Today, are you more like the Sadducees and the Pharisees? You're pretty opinionated of yourself. You think a little more highly of yourself than you ought. Or you're like Jesus, the one who gives mercy and grace. Or just perhaps today on this Sunday morning, you're like the woman who had been in sin. See, God knew we would sin. That's why God, he loved the world so much, he gave his only begotten son. So why don't you bow your head right there where you're at. Only you know where you're at today. See, it's very easy to get critical, judgmental. We've all been there. But what would happen today if I came before the Lord and said, Lord, I repent. I repent, Father God, of being judgmental and critical, arrogant. And not only would I repent, I'd say, Father God, I need a little more grace, a little more mercy, a little more like Jesus and a little less like me. 
Woo, Lord Jesus, I, I come before you today. I, I ask you that you would conform me into your image today. And just perhaps today, you're here right now. And maybe you've made a horrible choice in the last week. Maybe you made a horrible choice last night. But guess what? You're here today. And we, we serve a God who still meets people right here at these altars. And so I'm just going to ask every head to be bowed right now. And if you're here on this Sunday morning and you've never given Jesus your heart, you've never asked Jesus to come in and be Lord of your life, what about today? What about today? That God loves you that much. And so if that's you, I'm, I'm going to ask you to just be really bold. Kind of like you were with the, the miracles. Just get up. But this time, get up and come down here to the front. And we're going to pray with you. We're going to show you that when Jesus said to that woman, neither do I condemn you. I believe that's the same thing he's going to speak over you today. Neither do I condemn you. Is there anybody here this morning that says, I need to give Jesus my heart? Well, as our team gets ready to sing, come on, here comes one. Anybody else? Is number two. of God, huh? Anybody else? God still saves sinners, okay? He's still a saving God. Everybody in here, if you feel comfortable, come on, let's just raise our hands here to heaven. Just in honor of Jesus. And Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, saved by grace through faith it's the gift of God Romans chapter 10 9 and 10 says that if you would believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that you would be saved so I believe every one of us this morning whether you've been born again or not I think it's very important that we confess our sin right now. Now here's the deal with confessing sin. I can't confess yours and you can't confess mine. So just right there where you at. Come on, let's get with it. Father God, we come before you today as sinners. Father God, we ask you to forgive us of our stumble, fumble, and fallen, our mess-ups, our hiccups, our bad choices, our bad attitudes, anything, Father God, that you defined as sin. We ask you to forgive us for that right now. And we thank you for cleansing us. And Lord Jesus, we ask you to come into our heart. That's where you got to jump in here. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Save me today. And I thank you, Father God, that, that your son died for me. I receive everything you died for me, Lord Jesus. Jesus' name. Everybody agreed, said? Come on, let's clap to the Lord. But what would happen this morning 
said, Father God, I, I don't want to live like the Pharisee, the Sadducee. I don't want to live critical or judgmental. And if that's your heart to die, as our team gets ready to sing, we're going to open these altars up. It's just like I'm coming before you, Lord Jesus, and I'm asking you for help, and I need your grace and your mercy in this area. I, I, I want to live for you. I want to please you. I don't want to be judgmental. And so part of this is coming down here and welcome the Holy Spirit to move in you. And when you welcome the Holy Spirit, you might as well get ready. It's going to be a good thing. It's going to be adventure. If, if you have that desire, just, just come forward and God will touch your heart. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.